Well, like I said, I'm, uh, if you want to open your Bibles, go ahead and open up to uh, John chapter 15, verse 5. John 15, verse 5. Like I said, I'm Jamie and uh, lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And uh, man, I missed being at Christ Fellowship last week. I uh, was speaking over at Dallas, at Antioch in, in Dallas, one of our sister churches, and had a great time there being with them, but there is no place I would rather be than right here on a Sunday morning at, at CF. I, I love it. I'm thankful to get to do it. And I uh, want to thank Chad Reisner for preaching last week, bringing the word. And uh, got to listen to that. I was driving back from Abilene on Friday afternoon, got to listen to that message, did a great job, just home run, thought it was awesome. And uh, got us kicked off on this little series called The Journey. And I'm taking into week two here, and we're calling this one Abiding in Christ. Okay, Abiding in Christ. Now, this is something that everybody needs to know about. Because Abiding in Christ is kind of how you do the journey. So if you want to know how you do the journey, this is how you do it. It really is. John 15, verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, if a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, I don't know, 20 years or so ago, somewhere along in my journey, I just I, I read that and I thought, wow, the only way I can do stuff that matters is by abiding in Jesus. And I don't always know what that means, but man, I want to I be like a, a branch connected to the vine. Don't you? So... What we're going to do today, and what Chad started last week, is we want to, uh, with this little series in, in January here, next couple of weeks, we want to give on-ramps, just help people with on-ramps. No matter where, you might have been walking with the Lord for 10 years, or 15 years, or just getting started, or considering getting on the, on the journey. But we just want to make some, some on-ramps for getting on this, this journey. It's like a, it's like a highway. It's, you, you're driving along with the Lord, you know. And, and sometimes we can get off the road and we can take a rest stop or maybe that rest stop ended up being a couple of years or something. What a great time right here at the beginning of the year to take the on-ramp and just get right back up on the journey with God, right? So that's, that's, that's what this whole thing is about. And abiding in Christ is actually how we do the journey. So let me just... Back, that's kind of where we're going, and uh, going to get real practical. And this is something that's very dear to my heart. This message today, and so uh, I would say, in fact, for I don't know a decade or more, the way I evaluate any given day is on this issue: Did I abide in Christ? So at the end of the day, the early the next morning, one or the other, I'm looking back at the day going, did I abide in Christ? So that's, that's how important it is to me. I just want to pull every... This is the way you do the journey. This is the way you do it. So this past week, um, I'm going to get into some of my own story in just a minute, but first I want to just kind of pull you into the last week of my life, which was spent in Abilene at Abilene Christian. I'm, I'm doing some classes right now, some leveling work to get into a, a D-men thing, and, um, which is not that important other than I just, I love to learn and it sharpens me for helping you guys. And so I was with this, uh, 
rock star Old Testament theologian. And I mean, I, I'm going to explain who this guy is. He, he taught for, uh, let's see, he did his undergrad at Abilene. That's why he was there. But he did his master's at Harvard and his Ph.D. at Harvard, taught at Dartmouth for a season, and then did most of his career at Princeton. So a uh, kind of a Presbyterian uh, seminary out there, and uh, he's written like lots of commentaries on the Old Testament. His name's J.J. M. Roberts, and uh, uh, cowboy boot-wearing, kind of long white hair with a cowboy hat. Can you imagine this guy at Princeton, Ivy League? You know, strutting around. He had his he had cowboy boots on with his he had a suit on with with cuffed pants, and his cuffed pants were tucked into the inside of his cowboy boots. And he's walking around teaching us, telling us rattlesnake stories from the. I mean, it was in 40 hours of Old Testament, 40 hours, and then I'm staying up at night till 11 or midnight trying to catch up for the next day. And uh, but it was awesome. It was on monarchy to the uh, from from the monarchy to Messiah the kingdom of God in the Old Testament. And we literally went from 1st and 2nd Samuel, the kings, and covered every one of the prophets running this theme of God is the great king. God chooses David and his line to be his earthly king. And God chooses Zion as his dwelling place. And the ramifications of that, for I mean, just as this is like, and I said every prophet, did I say that? Every single prophet 30, 40 psalms in detail, just in this theme, just drawing this thing out. You know, and as you get to the New Testament, um, we didn't get really to this part, but I'm just, like, it's screaming Jesus all over the place. There's screaming Jesus. Actually, Yancey got to take a class with this guy a couple year, years ago, and he's going, you're going to love this, you know. This. And uh, so, in fact, one of the guys, I had a divine appointment with a guy on Thursday night. I ran into him at, at dinner, one of the guys from the class, he goes, yeah. He goes, you know, I'm, I'm reading my Bible, and I'm following along in uh, the Bible, and, you know, we're in Isaiah, and I'm thinking, this guy's, he's seen the notes that for this study Bible. You know, he's, he's seen them or something, you know, because they're really close. And then he goes, no, they're like, they're like really close. He's following, he goes to the back of the Bible, and he goes, oh, this guy wrote the study notes for the study Bible <laughs> for Isaiah. I mean, he's like, <laughs> he wouldn't do that, but that's kind of the way I think about it, and so uh, just great, great week, and so, so as I started thinking about Jesus, you know, the New Testament rolls along, and Jesus steps onto the scene, and the, the Jews were expecting this militaristic, going to take over, going to do what was happening back in David and Solomon's time, right? They never got back there, did they? You know, they, but they were just believing that was going to happen and, you know, uh, God was going to come and, you know, put his foot on the neck of everybody and just take over militaristically, right? And uh, then Jesus comes along and he says he's the king. But he's the king in the sense of like kind of Isaiah 40 through 55, right? Where there's the suffering servant who lays down his life. Who, who lives with agape love for others, who goes to the cross, Isaiah 53, who lays his life down for us. You know, that's the kind of king that Jesus reveals himself to be. And so he lives that out. He, Mark says, you know, he starts his ministry and he says, the kingdom of God's here now. Turn from the way you're living and orient all of life to the kingdom of God. 
And Jesus steps onto the scene. He's saying, look, I'm that king. I'm Yahweh. I'm God that's become the king. And he's on earth. And then kind of like, you know, Jesus as the incarnation uh, of man in, in, in flesh shows us what humanity is supposed to look like. Jesus as the king shows us what God always intended for the king to look like on the earth. It's kind of like God and man as a king in the person of Jesus. Pretty awesome. In the early church, they understood it like that. You know, Mark comes along, starts his gospel and says, this is the beginning of the, of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who would have stood in contrast to the, the Caesar of the time who was claiming to be the Son of God, right? So it's a different king, you know, and Peter stands up at the first sermon and says the same thing. Says, look, this Jesus whom you killed, whom you crucified, he's just like David, except he's not dying. David died. This, this king, he's, you killed him, but he's raised, and he's never going to die again. He's the king. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the anointed king, the king. Okay? So then the church is rolling along, and they're totally understanding this story kind of the way I'm describing it to you right now. Thessalonica, you know, you've got Paul and the guys rolling into town. Riots start breaking out. Cities turned upside down. They go to Jason's house where they had been staying, but they're not there anymore. And they get Jason and his friends, and they drag him out, and they said, these guys have been going all over the world. They're turning the world upside down, and they've been preaching that there's another king besides Caesar, someone named Jesus. That's their message. And Paul, you know, in writing Ephesians and writing Colossians, he's the image of the invisible God. He reigns. He's supreme over everything from beginning to end. He holds everything by, together by the word of his power. Hebrews chapter 1, are you, are you tracking with me? So Jesus is this king in the Davidic line who brings the presence of God right in and amidst, in the midst of his people. And ultimately, our, the hope at the end is that we see this new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, this Zion, out of heaven, joined with a new, renewed earth, and God is going to be our God, and we are going to be his people. This thing he's been talking about all this time, it's going to happen. That's what we look forward to. And so we live these lives right now. I've said this so many times but I'm just telling the story again. This is our family story. Because we're supposed to be people that live right now like signpost kind of lives pointing to the way things will be, should be, will be one day, right? And so we live creative, beautiful, loving, laying down our lives, lives of peace, lives that bring righteousness, lives that bring justice, lives that care about others, lives that, just like Jesus sacrificially laid down his life, we want to be those kinds of people ourselves. Does anybody do it perfectly? No. But man, we're, that's, that's what this journey is all about. And that's why abiding in him and so that we can be more sensitive to the king, be more sensitive to his leadership in our lives, it's so much easier to abide and, and to, or when I'm abiding, I, I get really, I don't know about you guys, but I, one of the ways I know when I'm not abiding it, or when I'm getting off track is when I, I start losing my peace about how I'm walking. And so I'll do something or I'll think something or I'll say something and, and I, it's like I know I'm stepping off the highway because 
there's like conviction to go make that right. Go apologize. Go humble yourself. Go say, that was, well, that was, oof, I shouldn't have said that. That was, you know, and so then I'm, I, I have that sense of being back up on the, this, this, this road here. And it's not a, it's not a performance thing. I, like, I'm doing this in order to please God or something. It's like, I love what Jesus Christ has done for me. I love it. I love being close to Him. I love having fellowship with Him. I'm blown away by the grace of God. And I just, I want to stay there. I want to walk with Him. And, you know, years ago, when I started getting a hold of this, this, thing, uh, this message, I was, hadn't been long in the Lord and was being discipled. And this, this message that I'm talking about, about abiding, it's not disconnected from spending time with God in the mornings, like, like a prayer life. So it's kind of like a prayer life, but it's, it's something that you just kind of carry with you as you go through the day. So abiding means just turning in your heart to the Lord. And you don't have to, you don't have to, it's not like, oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, and you don't get weird, you know, and you can even be talking with someone and just be turning to the Lord in your heart. And that's okay. And you know, um, what I learned early on in reading different people the Practice of the Presence of God. I love the title of that book. If you've come to Christ Fellowship in the last decade, you've probably gotten a copy of that. You know, And my thinking on that is giving out that book, it's because it's like I could tell you what to do or I could say, you spend time with the Lord and you learn to walk with Him, abiding in Him, and He will tell you to, this is the way to go. That's not the way to go. It's like teaching somebody to fish instead of saying, here's a fish. You know, so that you can get what you need in the moment. Does that make sense? So, and it's practice. Practice of the presence of God. So, like, nobody does it just right. George Mueller, we'd, we've joked for years about, I don't know, it was 20 years ago, and I prayed. I went to uh, Dallas Seminary Library one day, and I was like, Lord, lead me to some books that will help change my life and Kim's life. Kim loved to read biographies. And so, uh, I, I found... Uh, three books. Two of them were about uh, Hudson Taylor that day, The Growth of a Soul in the China Inland Mission, original 1911 copies of those books, and the original 19, uh, 1863 copy of the autobiography of George Mueller. And they let me leave with the, that book. I mean, it's worth a lot of money. A lot of money. An original uh, copy. It wasn't signed, but it was an original copy. Auto biography of George Mueller, and we so digested that, she so digested that, that it wasn't long before, he wasn't George Mueller at our house, it was George. Well, George said, you know, she's always like, George says that da 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 He's a famous orphanage guy that really lived by faith, if you don't know who George Mueller is. So, there were these different things, and one of George's, George's uh, deals was, he said he loved to practice experimental communion. He called it experimental communion. And I just want to set you free on you've got to do it just right. You know, so experimental is like it's an experiment. And so I'm constantly experimenting with lots of different ways of practicing God's presence and praying and having a conversation that runs throughout the day with Him and turning and having little my phone buzzing and praise breaks and all kinds of stuff. And we'll get into some specifics on that in just a minute. I want to, you know, paint some pictures there for you. Um, Frank Laubach, 
um, was another famous guy who, who walked in this way, and he had a, had a deal called the game with minutes. And the game with minutes was he wanted the time that he was consciously aware of God's presence, you know, those, those gaps, to get shorter and shorter and shorter. And so the game with minutes was once an hour, I want to remember the Lord's presence. I want to turn to the Lord. Jesus, I love you. You're so good. Have your way in me. Have your way in my heart, in my life. Just a simple little prayer like that, just turning. And so um, he even said, take an hour sometime, take an hour at some point, and just see how many of the minutes of those 60 that you can turn to the Lord. Just play, play a game. A game with minutes is what he called it. And so that's all been a part of, of, of my own journey. I found other people along the way. Uh, years ago, I remember hosting uh, an an African guy from uh, Uganda named Eridard Mikasa at our house. Eridard was about our age. We were late 20s, early, about 30 at the time. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so it was right at the beginning of Christ Fellowship. Maybe, maybe uh, it must have been 31. And uh, so Eridard was this uh, guy from Uganda, and uh, the generation before him, all those guys had been killed by Idi Amin. And so this generation of children grew up like out in the fields, hiding and stuff, and they learned how to pray. I mean, they know how to pray. And so he was staying at our house in Emily's bedroom, and, and I, I was expecting him to come out at a normal kind of time, you know, and I can hear him in there praying, 8, 8.30, and, uh, and I kept thinking he's coming out any, any moment. About 11.30, noon, he comes out, and he's just kind of getting going in the morning and praying. And uh, the, the deal is we all need, uh, we need, we're like fleas that have hit our head on the top of the jar too much. And so we get conditioned to doing things a certain way. And this is what prayer looks like. This is what abiding looks like. This is the way I do it. This is the way I've always done it. This is why I'll do it forever. <laughs> it's always going to be this way. No, man, there's growth in God. And, but for there to be growth in God, sometimes we have to do something that's a little bit maybe outside of our current box, right? And so, so uh, Eridard helped me on that, just to go, wow, there's, there's more. You know, and even, and I, I don't do it quite like he did, but even while he's talking, it, it took him a while with us talking to him for him to actually kind of come out of prayer mode. You know, so he's, we're talking with him, but then he's kind of, he, he does kind of get lost. You know, just you can tell he's just praying. You know, while you're talking to him, he's not really trying to hide it a whole, a whole bunch. You know, and it, it expanded my desire, my hunger. Uh, Brent Mitchell, who passed, uh, left here in 2006 to plant a church in Hawaii. Um, we were on staff for 13 years together. And he really, he always encouraged me about practicing God's presence, abiding in Christ. Being thankful in the moment. That was his big deal, was how many things can we be thankful for today? Have you ever been around somebody that's like really, really thankful, and they thank God for things that you don't think? You're like, oh, I should have thought thank God for that. Yeah. Like food and shelter. I'm like, shelter, man, I haven't, you know, like shelter. You know, just cars, and they didn't break down, and all, all kinds of stuff like that. And this message that I'm, I'm sharing with you guys it's all the traditions of the church down through history, they've, they've touched on this. Everybody's got their own language for what I'm talking about. Some people call it being filled with the Spirit. Others call it the victorious life. 
or the exchanged life. That was Hudson Taylor's phrase, the exchanged life. Like, not my life, but the life of Christ in me. You know, the, the yielded life, the surrendered life, the, all those kinds of things are just ways of saying, you know, abiding in Christ. So, absolutely huge. And uh, this is the path that we walk on. And uh, my burden here is just given a, a few on-ramps. So let me, just the main thing is this. God's calling us to the journey of abiding in Christ so that we can experience and share the joy of life with God. What it means to be truly human, what God wants for us. So uh, I'm going to just mention uh, John 1, verses 1 and 2, because this has been a kind of a launch point for us in talking about God being uh, relational. So this is the importance of relationship. The importance of relationship is that Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, in, uh, in, begin, in, a, in a beginning that didn't really have a beginning, Jesus was the Word who was with God and... and uh, he was with God in the beginning. The Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. And so, this phrase here that we've been highlighting, with God, prostantheon, just means turned toward. He was turned. He was with, yes, but turned toward the Father from all eternity in the Spirit. And so, if you want to know what God's like, He's a relational, turning toward kind of God. And we've got to get this relational thing going on inside of us. It's got to be not just... Uh, a thought that, uh, yeah, I need to have a relationship with God. This is the way God is. This is who He reveals Himself to be from all eternity, is that He is a God of relationship. Not off in a dark corner, mad, ticked off and alone, but a God of joy, of love, of peace, in relationship, Father, Son, Spirit, and bringing us into relationship. That is primarily and foundationally how we should understand God. Okay, so out of the overflow of his, his eternal love, he creates. And br he creates us to bring us into that, that love. And so Jesus reveals uh, what God's really like, the image of the invisible God. He reveals God to be a God of relationship. He reveals his relationship with the Father. You know, again, Father's not a big concept in the Old Testament, but Jesus comes along and he says, this is what God's like. One hundred times in John alone, over a hundred times in John, he says, Father, he wants us to get this. And it's not disconnected from the reigning thing, the him being king. In Psalm 2, you know, there's this, it's God talking and I've anointed my son, living on the holy hill. You've got God the king, God, the, you, know, you know, the Davidic line and, and Zion all there. But then right, the next passage says, you are my son. You know, you are my son. He pulls all those ideas together. And Jesus, that's spoken over Jesus at the baptism. Um, and so from eternity, God's purpose is for us to be in family together with him. That's good news, man. I mean, it's like, wow. Ephesians 1.5, you know, from before time, you were predestined from eternity to be adopted into the family of God, to be sons, to be daughters, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And this, and we're, we're brought in, but I'm still Jamie. Jackie's still Jackie. Todd's still Todd. You know, it just, we're still, you know, we're one with, in relationship with God, but we're, we maintain our identity. It's that whole, y'all remember the word uh, perichoresis? Perichoresis, peri means about, and choresis, where we get the word choreography. So it's kind of the dance 
about. Yeah. So it's it's this we're one, but we but I'm still an individual. You know, it's interconnectedness and interpenetration while maintaining distinction, clear identity. And so that's what this relational thing is what God's bringing us into. You know, that's the theology behind it as it were, and the New Testament is so uh clear about this. Whenever you see in Christ, basically that's what's being pointed to. This in Christ, in Him, all that kind of stuff that we've been pulled up into Christ. We are one with Christ. And you couldn't do anything about it to make it happen. He did it. He did it with humanity. You know, He died the death of Adam, bringing it to an end, raised to bring about new creation, new life, new, a new humanity. And uh, so you know, he, he gives us the dignity of responding to that but, but he's, that's what he's done for us. That's reality. That's truth that he wants us all to see. So the importance of relationship, the importance of, of motivation is the other piece here that I want to just touch on before I go through some real practicals. The importance of motivation is it's things like motivation is why do I want to abide in Christ? Why do I want to do this? You know, and if it's checking off a box, that's not it. It will not work. Imagine it's... it's if you don't get the relational thing, then you won't get doing this out of relationship. It'll be like a, a list or some, a check. Okay, so I've got this relationship going on for almost 28 wonderful years now. It's 27 and a half wonderful years. And, uh, you know, can you imagine me? We do this date night thing, you know. Can you imagine if a date night was something I had to check off my list, you know? And so we go on the date, we're out, we're doing, you know, just hanging out, and, and I'm like, I'm so glad I was able to get this scheduled in, get this thing checked off, you know, so we get back to the house, like, whew, glad that's over with. You know, that's absurd, for one, dangerous, <laughs> Wah. dangerous, number two, and just not realistic, so so I, I have a relationship with her. I want to be with her. It's not a bummer to do a date night. It's exciting. It's wonderful. It's awesome. It's, you know, it's just, it, you know, when you're in love, that's what it's like, right? And so God wants to pull us into that kind of relationship so that the motivation of our heart isn't like, you know, it's, it's just like the way you relate in, in real life with people that you love to be with, that's how God wants to relate to you. And that's motivating to me on this whole abiding thing. You know, He pours out His love. That's, an, that's a motivation. He's a loving God who loves me. That's, that's motivating to me. He brings peace to my life. You know, one of the things that we're going to hit on through the, through the year, I heard Ch Chad mention it, is just that God wants to bring peace. That's a word we feel like the Lord's kind of given some shape to for Christ's fellowship in 2014, is that on the other side of this abiding thing, one of the results, he says, uh, John 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. So, peace is the promise on the other side of him bringing us into relationship with himself. 
Man, that's good news. It's not like, oh yeah, you're just into the peace thing. No, that's what Jesus wants to do in our lives. <laughs> it's like, wow. You know, and I can go to other places as well. I'm not going to preach that message right now. Probably next week. But, but that's, that's where this is going. I mean, what about a motivation like wisdom? Who wants wisdom? Okay, Jesus Christ is the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians 2, verse 3, right? He's the one. And so I'm walking through life. I'm constantly saying, Jesus, I need your wisdom right now. Holy Spirit, come. Make this real. I need insight from heaven right now. Uh, life. Jesus Christ, that's, that's motivating because he is, like Colossians 3, 4 says, my life. When Christ, who is your very life, appears, you'll appear with him in glory. Okay, so he is our, he's our life, he's our wisdom, he's our peace, hearing God. You know, the more I practice the presence of God, abiding in God, the better I hear. Okay, like I said, I get sensitive to when I start veering away from him. Because it's like, uh, um, how do they teach bank tellers? I don't know if they still do this, but I, I, I heard this. Who teach bank tellers to hold lots of money. Well, now they've got all kinds of technical things, it beeps and, you know, whatever. But, but they used to teach them to, they'd hold lots of, not fake money, counterfeit money, but real money, so that they would know when the counterfeit was in their hands. You learn the counterfeit by knowing the real. You know? And so the more we walk with the real, the truth, on the way, with Jesus, the, the more sensitive we get to when we're getting off track. So... That's a motivation for me, hearing God. Man, I want to hear the Lord. The mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. You know, so when I'm walking with Him, it's, it's, it is the way of life. It is the way of peace, power, the unsearchable riches, answered prayer. All those things are motivations for, for me personally. I just want to encourage you guys in that. So let's talk about some uh, practicals. What does this mean? What does this look like? How do I do this? And uh, I'm going to try to make this as practical for you guys as I, as I can. So here we go. First thing, make abiding the goal of every day. If apart from him you can do how much? Nothing. What a great goal for like every day. So that like something matters out of my life. I want things to matter. Like I want to get to the end, 70, no, no, 80, no, 90, 90, I'm 90, I'm getting toward the end, I'm not quite there. 100, 100, and, and I'm looking back, and when I look back, I see things that matter for eternity, you know, that matter because lives are being changed and people touched and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So make Christ, abiding in Christ, the goal of every day. Do the game with minutes. That's another practical one there. The game with minutes. Um, and the way I do that a lot is use my smartphone. Um, I will do... Uh, Let's, let's flash some of these. These are literal pictures off of my smartphone. So this, these are reminders. So if you've got an iPhone or whatever, there's, I know there's enough of you guys out there that use this kind of stuff, this kind of technology, so why not use the technology to help you abide in Christ? Put that technology under the reign of God, right? Okay, so this is just, this one comes every morning at 9-something. You know, turn to Jesus. And then in the afternoon, I have a, Another one, a walk with the Holy Spirit. Walk with the Holy Spirit that pops up. I did a little season last year of eight months. This is weird, but the walk with the Holy Spirit would pop up. It's, it was a two o'clock appointment, and it popped up for eight months on my phone at eight in the evening. 
And I finally started going, Lord, dense that I am, uh, I, I felt like he was trying to get my attention. You know, walk with the Holy Spirit. And then it stopped. Back in December, it just stopped. I guess I'm walking with the Holy Spirit now, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay, so another one. These are appointments. I'll do these. Th- this is ATL. And I do these on like Tuesdays and Fridays. It's just you could do it whenever. ATL means acknowledge God's presence, offer thanksgiving, and listen. And so those pop up on the hour, five minutes before. And I'll look, I'll, I can be talking with someone, having a meeting. You know, I'm sitting there talking. And that, zzz, I can feel it. You know, and, and I don't go. I don't do that. I'm just still talking, you know. But inwardly, I'm just going, Jesus, you're so good. Please just give me wisdom in this. In just a little short little prayer. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your life. I'll just I'll say that on the inside, maybe smiling. And sometimes I, I actually I have caught myself smiling awkwardly at the wrong time, just because I'm thinking about the Lord. You know, Brother Lawrence, he would have to excuse himself from cutting potatoes in the kitchen and go to the closet because he was so overwhelmed with God's presence he didn't want to seem strange to the other cooks in the monastery. Okay, so uh, that's one way of doing it. Another way of doing it, just straight up, this is the way I used to do it more frequently, was just Jesus appointments. You know, all day long, just Jesus appointments. I do Tuesday and Thursdays, just, uh, Tuesday and Fridays, because those are, I've got a little more space in my life on those days, and it helps me to stay focused. I have less appointments on Tuesdays and Fridays. Okay, um, that's, that's me. Does that help? Is that practical enough? Okay. Was it? No, more practical than that. Give me more practical. Okay. Life is a series of, of connects with people. It really is. Appointments, things, phone calls. You know, you dial, you call the phone. What if every time before you make that connect with someone else, you said, Lord, give me wisdom in this. Lord, let me walk in your presence right now. And sometimes it's not even just expected connects. Sometimes it's an unexpected connect. That, that dinner I mentioned on Friday night, I'd gone to Sharon's Barbecue in Abilene. Some of you guys will know where that is. And uh, it's, it's not super close to the university. But uh, I was there. I'd had my little barbecue sandwich, my little piece of jalapeno cornbread, and the, the little green beans with the cream corn. Anybody getting hungry yet? And... Uh, I had eaten, I just finished, I was about to take off, and one of the guys from the class walks in. And I thought, okay, that's interesting, because we're not real close to the school. And, and I thought, Lord, what are you doing? And I hadn't talked with this guy at all. And he, he saw me, and I said, hey, and he's, can I sit down? I, I said, yes. But he, as he's walking over, I said, Lord, what are you doing? This is interesting. This, this, it had that, I just had that, because I've been trying to abide in his presence, and I had that sense of something's about to happen. And we had the most wonderful connect in the next hour, you know, uh, just as he ate his food. I just finished mine. It was like we were eating together, breaking bread, talking about the Lord. It was wonderful. So expected appointments, connects, sometimes unexpected abiding helps you to walk through those things even better. One thing I used to do, I haven't done it in a while now, but is uh, when I wrote in a paper journal, I would uh, write down a verse and cut it out literally cut it out of my journal or a little pad there beside my, uh, on my desk and just write down the verse by hand, stuff the verse into my pocket and just carry it around with me all day. And in the course of the day, I'd, I'd constantly be pulling it out and looking at it. And it just helped me to be just chewing on the Word of God. Just meditating. You know, 
And like Madame Guyon says, and if you will, don't just chew it, but savor it like a piece of steak and let it go down into the deepest part of you. No? It's good. It got kind of weird there for a second. Sorry. Uh, Guyon, she's kind of mystical, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, so um, daily expectations is another thing that's helped me down through the years. Literally writing out some things that I want to see happen in my life and literally reading those things to myself out loud at the beginning of the day has just helped. You know, this, this is the person I want to be. I got that idea years ago from, you ever heard of Zig Ziglar, this positive, you know, motivation guy, and he had some stuff, you're supposed to look in the mirror and do it. I thought, man, that's great, but I want to do that with who I am in Christ. I would literally stare at myself and, you mighty man of God, you, you know, and, and it's good. You know, it's like you start believing it after a while. This is, and it's, it's the truth. It's who we are. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm one with Christ and all those kinds of things. Here's another one. Imagine you're uh, abiding. Imagine, imagine the current situation that you're going through through the eyes of Jesus. This current, whatever you're walking in, whatever stress, anxiety, that you're experiencing, imagine that you are literally like in Jesus and Jesus is looking at the Father and you're kind of explaining through Jesus the situation that you're going through and what do you see on the Father's face as he hears about your situation? Is he stressed? Is he wiped out like, oh no, oh no, it's finances are tight at the end of the month, oh my, what? You know, all the different things that we're going through, you know, so it's hard at work. Oh, no. You know, and no, he's, gonna, he's got just the right peaceful, in control answer. He's going to help you get wisdom, understanding about what you're going through, help it make sense, right? Um, here's another one. Um, peditation. I, I said that right, peditation. Kind of like meditation. If we can flash that, that little deal up, I don't know if we can make that big enough. Well, I'm going to put this uh, up on the website. And this is just, I want to teach you how to do this. So the way you do this is you take a syllable. So anybody like to go on walks? Okay, that's like 20%. Um, I'm going to do a message on health uh, soon as well. Walks are good for you. And one of the things that you can do on a walk is to uh, meditate. And this is uh, one author that we read years ago. David Augsburger calls this peditation. I think it kind of comes out of the, uh, the, uh, the Anabaptist uh, tradition of the church. And so it would look something like this. And you, you say a phrase with each syllable being a step. This is practical, isn't it? Each syllable is a step, and then you take a rest of three steps between the next phrase. And so it would look something like this. Lord, we seek love's depths. Follow in your steps. Be present, we pray. And when you're doing it by yourself, it's okay. You get the syllables mixed up, right? Uh, walk with us this day. Actually, you're walking faster, too. That's another piece. Um, and so Kim um, has a simple one, which is uh, she, she'll do this. And, I, like, when you take, like, that's a long prayer right there, but I, I don't get through all of that. Like, in a two-mile walk, I might do five or six of the phrases because I'll stay on something. 
the Lord will start, you strike gold on something and you don't move on. Her, one of her big ones is uh, more of you, Lord, less of me. More of you, Lord, less of me. Does that make sense? So this is a way of you're walking and you're meditating, you're chewing on a prayer, basically, to the Lord, and it helps you to abide. Is that practical enough? Okay. Um, learn from others. So kind of a day like this would be like a day, wow, okay, I think I can, I can try some of that. And just, again, experiment. Just nobody does it perfect. Try Write some of these ideas down. Pull that thing off the, off the Internet. We'll put it up tomorrow. It'll be on the website under, under, uh, under resources. Yeah. So experiment, practice with these things. Ultimately, uh, you know, my thought on this is ultimately that whatever we're doing, like learning to walk with Jesus, it needs to be attractive for Jesus and for the gospel. Like it doesn't need to be this bummer kind of, you know, you're walking and you're doing the meditating thing or what you're just, and you look like the biggest bummer that's ever stepped off on planet earth. Or, you know, you're people that know you in life, the more you abide, the more you're going to get under conviction about being a bummer. You know, and it doesn't mean that you don't go through hard, hard things, but he gives you the grace to find his love, his joy, his peace in the midst of trials. That's, that, that's, that's good stuff, right? You know, so it's attractive for Jesus. Help us, Lord, to live lives that, are, that point to the way you are, your life, your love, your joy, your peace, your justice, your goodness, the way things should be. And, you know, this, even though there, you know, this is, I'm encouraging us right here at the beginning of the year, this is not about a private experience with God that's just between you and Him that doesn't affect, it's, it's that relational thing. Once I get this relationship thing with God, I can't hold on to that and it be about me going to heaven one day when I die and it not touch the world around me. I haven't gotten that. Not really. I haven't, I'm not saying anybody's not going to heaven. I'm just saying I'm not getting what God wants me to have if I don't realize that it wants, He wants me to touch people in relationship. My relationship with Him is going to affect my relationship with you. And so I can't, I, I'm going to be miserable just making people angry with me. I'm going to be miserable uh, uh, not walking in peace or in love or life or joy with others. You know, that's because that's his way of, of walking this out. And so I'm pretty much done. Um, that's, that's not the best ending, is it? <laughs> Let me land that. We're landing. We're landing. You're like... I get some feedback on the sermons. Yeah, that probably wasn't the best ending, you know. Um, so uh, here's the thing. We believe that this is something that's accessible to everyone. Jesus, he died for the world. He died for, he, he wants everybody brought into this right relationship with God. And so the way we start walking that out is we put our faith in him. We say, Jesus, it's true. All that you've done for the world is for me as an individual. And he allows us to just, our eyes to be open and exploding with joy for what he's done for us. And then we start finding, too, if we've, maybe it's just, again, right, it's January 2014. What a great time to say, Lord, I want to walk with you this year. I want to walk with you. I want this to be the best year in your presence ever. 
I want today. What a great prayer. Lord, make this today the best day in your presence ever. And then pray the next day, the best day in your presence ever. Why would, okay, you say, well, I, I want to save it maybe and I want to have one of those best days out in the field. Look, that's not the way it works. That's not the way marriage works. Real intimacy is an up and to the right experience that will blow your mind. God made it that way. Why does it keep getting better, you know, in every single conceivable way in marriage? Because Christ in the church. It's an infinite, forever, deeper, more intense kind of love. And when we shadow that here, it's just it's solid theology to believe it. Now, if I'm going to walk with Jesus, is my uh, believing that, uh, that it's going to get better based on solid theology? Yes, because we're on a journey. We're growing. We're not done. You're not finished. You, even though you may have banged your head at the top of the jar for a little while, he's not done with you. And so he wants to move and expand and, and bring more hope, vision, and possibilities for what he wants to do through you, through me, through Christ's fellowship, through the families that are represented all around this room. Why not believe for it being the very best this year? Okay, so let's stand up and respond to the Lord um, just a little bit.